Welcome to SLP Money, an in-depth conversation for speech, language pathologists, and private practice owners on how to break through to the next level of your career and business. Join your host, Craig Goldslager, a financial advisor and certified exit planner, as he shares strategies and stories that will help you become more financially confident and better invest your time and money. You can learn more and stay up to date at utterlyfinancial.com. Hello, SLP Nation, and welcome to another episode of SLP Money. Thank you for joining me today for a solo episode where I will be talking about a topic that has been mentioned on previous episodes of this podcast, but I feel so strongly about what we'll be talking about that we recently published an article over in our learning center devoted entirely to the topic of disability insurance. And so I strongly believe that this is one of the most overlooked aspects of financial planning, especially for SLPs. If you're a longtime listener, and thank you if you are for your continued loyalty and listening to all of our episodes, if you go back to episode two, we talked about several different types of insurance that is really important for every SLP to have and to own. But we wanted to have an entire conversation today just about long-term disability insurance, why it is so critical, whether you just graduated CFY, whether you've been working for 10, 20 years, even if you're close to retirement, but still working. We think that it is, again, such an essential part of planning. Let's just start with the name, disability insurance. I think that brings up a lot of negative connotations, and I don't think that it's an appropriate name for what the purpose of owning this insurance is. We like to call it income protection or protecting your paycheck because essentially that's what it does. It protects in the event of your inability to perform your occupation as a speech language pathologist, or even if you're a private practice owner and maybe you're not hands-on working with patients and seeing active caseload, but you still have to protect your income. And it's so critical to begin with just thinking about where your paycheck goes, whether you receive it every week, every two weeks, all of the things that you pay for in life, whether it's your housing, your cell phone, maybe you have student loans that you're paying off, your health insurance, your car insurance, your car payment, credit card payments, even if you're saving money, whether it's into a retirement account like a 401k or an IRA, just into a regular savings account, no matter what you use money for, It only gets into your checking account if you have the ability to earn an income. I mean, think about some of those different assets that I was just mentioning where you spend money every month. Let's take your home, for example. Whether you own your home or you rent your home, most likely you have homeowners or renters insurance. And the reason you've purchased that is because you can't afford the financial risk of rebuilding your home or replacing damaged items if it's a rental policy on your own. You need to offset some of that risk to an insurance company. I mentioned having car payments. Well, most people that I speak with understand that they have to have car insurance and they don't second guess it. And it's something that they implement as soon as they either buy or lease an automobile. I would argue that ensuring your earning power is more important than either of those two other types of assets, whether it's your home or your car, because just think about it. Maybe you're at the beginning of your career or think back to the beginning of your career when you just graduated CFY, maybe you started earning $60,000. Over a 30-year working career, if you earn, let's say, estimated 4% salary increases annually over that time, well, you're going to earn $3.4 million over the next 30 years of your working career. So yes, you get 
auto insurance to replace your automobile, but I don't think you're going to be driving a $3.4 million car. Most of us don't live in $3.4 million homes. And so, as I just mentioned, all of your savings goals, your lifestyle goals, your mortgage payments, all derive from having an income. And so when you think about it quantitatively, that $3.4 million can come through your fingertips. That's yours as long as you're able to perform your job as an SLP. So before we get into the specifics about what type of disability insurance you should have as a speech-language pathologist, specifically if you have niched down and you work with a specific population, there are really important and specific differences to the type of disability insurance that you have. But before we get into that, I just want to share some common misconceptions that come up in conversations as I talk with SLPs about why you need income insurance. And so first and foremost, if I meet young SLPs who, again, maybe they're just completing CFY or they've been working in a hospital setting for a few years, they think that they're young and healthy and that it's inconceivable to them that they will be out of work for an extended period of time. Most people know that they'll miss some time for sick days or maybe a few weeks here and there, but to envision being out of work for a long period of time is something that's hard for an individual to understand or even comprehend because most young people believe that they're invincible, right? Nothing bad will ever happen to them. I haven't been hearing this objection much in the last few months because of coronavirus and many of the SLPs that I speak with, especially if they're in a hospital setting, understand the severity of the situation and and know that it is very possible that they can be out of work for an extended period of time for whatever reason. So it is important to know that there is statistical data that backs up the fact that one out of every four 20-year-olds should expect to be out of work for at least a year during their career because of a disabling condition. I think the most important thing to think about if you're thinking that I'm healthy and I can't envision being out of work for a long period of time is just think about most types of insurance. I know that the most common time people want to talk about any type of insurance, specifically like disability insurance, is when they had a bad visit with the doctor or they realize that there is something that has now happened or transpired in their life and they want to get some insurance because of this visit to the doctor. Well, once you have that medical record, it's going to become that much more difficult to be approved for something like long-term disability insurance. So this is a similar decision as to whether or not to purchase flood insurance. So this is a common example that I bring up because I live in South Florida and this is being recorded in the heart of hurricane season right now. If I see on a map that a category one, two, category five hurricane is headed directly towards my home in South Florida, well, I can't call my property and casualty insurance agent and say, hi, Mrs. Smith, you know, I just flipped on the news and I saw that a hurricane's path is headed right for my home. I want to get some flood insurance today. Mrs. Smith will laugh at me on the phone and say, there is no insurance company or there's no way for you to get flood insurance at this time because it's too late. The cone has been public information. It's on the news and no one's going to take that risk because it's highly likely that I'm going to be impacted. Same thing with long-term disability insurance. Once an insurance company sees that maybe you've had some health issues or you've had something that was unanticipated or unexpected, it becomes that much harder to become approved for something. So the best time to apply or the best time to get any type of insurance is when you don't think you need it because like any insurance, nobody knows when bad things will happen to us. And that's, again, the primary role of insurance. We can't avoid having a hurricane come 
to the area where we live. We can't eliminate certain types of health events from happening to us. But what we can do is we can mitigate the consequences of those events happening. So flood insurance would alleviate the problem of a flood. Long-term disability insurance would prevent a loss of income because of your inability to work as an SLP. Some SLPs that I meet understand the importance of disability insurance. And so another misconception that I hear is, well, they've purchased disability insurance through ASHA, through an association policy or something like that. Is that enough coverage or is that, isn't that the appropriate amount? Isn't that the best thing for me? Well, disability insurance through ASHA or a similar type of organization, and I would include your employer in this situation if you work for someone else, a group long-term disability insurance policy, those are often good places to start, but it's important to read the fine print of these policies. So these group policies are like ones that are offered through ASHA often have a broad definition of disability, meaning they define being unable to work as being unable to do any type of work. So that might mean working at a retail store or a grocery store. If that's the case, remember you're a highly specialized, trained professional as a speech language pathologist. You've earned your bachelor's, you've earned your master's. Some of you listening have earned your doctorate. You are a highly trained specialist that will be earning her income through the ability to perform the specific duties as a speech language pathologist. So depending on what these group policies say, they might not specify those type of definitions especially if you have a highly specialized skill set, like you're board certified in a certain thing or you perform certain types of treatments on your clients. Lastly, a third myth I want to discuss is similar to the first myth of being young and healthy. A lot of people believe that in order to submit a claim for disability insurance and receive an income from it, that you have to be injured. It has to be some type of devastating injury where you're unable to perform work. And statistics prove that 90% of disability claims come from non-injury situations. So the most common disability claims are actually from conditions like muscle and back disorders, if you are diagnosed with a certain type of cancer, or even mental health issues. As we all know, the overwhelming majority of, of SLPs are women. So even complications related to pregnancy can result in disability claims. I think the point of this conversation is that a lot of people have perceptions of what will cause a disability or what will cause a, a successful claim. And I think it's important that we talk about why SLPs truly need it. I mentioned previously that as a speech language pathologist, you've gone through rigorous schooling, training to earn your C's, right? You may have even received a doctorate or become board certified in a specialty, which enables you to become a highly credentialed expert as an SLP. You've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars Many SLPs that I meet have taken on student loan debt to invest in themselves and propel them to a higher future earning stream by receiving a master's or a doctorate. You spent thousands of hours to reach a high level of your profession, especially if maybe you're not board certified, but you've gone through other types of trainings and you've become highly specialized in a certain type of skill. Because you are that specialized as an SLP, you can protect all of the investment that you've made in yourself up to this point by ensuring that your income will be protected against anything that's unforeseeable. I mentioned that 90% of disability claims are non-injury related. Think about the flood example that I just talked about. Nobody knows when bad things will happen to us, but what we do know is that we can avoid the consequences of those events from happening to us. Your paycheck fuels your lifestyle. 
It's the money you need to pay all your bills, your mortgage payment, your student loan payments, any type of savings that you're doing. And while we're talking about savings, sometimes people will say to me, well, if something happens to me, maybe I'll be out of work for a little while and I'll just use my emergency fund or I'll use my other types of savings accounts. And the average long-term disability claim is for two and a half years. So if you're earning, let's say $75,000 a year and you go on claim for two and a half years, you're going to drain your savings accounts, your retirement accounts, other money that you've set aside for other financial goals, you're going to have to spend about $180,000 of your asset base in order to replace your income. So if you are a diligent saver and you have that money put away, well then great, you're able to access it and tide the waters while you're unable to work, but then you've spent all that money that you designated for savings for other goals. So most likely you'll have depleted those accounts, meaning it'll take you that much longer and it will be that much harder to accomplish your other financial goals in life when you could have offset some of that risk with an insurance policy. As we talk about what to look for in a disability insurance policy, I think the most important part, and I talked about it a little while ago in the misconception section, is the definition of disability. Ideally, what the definition of disability in your long-term disability insurance policy will say is that if you are unable to perform your specific duties as an SLP, well, then you'll be disabled. And so there are two major types of definitions of disability in these contracts. The first is called true own occupation. And what that means is just like the name says, if you are unable to perform the specific duties that you designate, for instance, whether you work in the schools or a hospital or a SNF, you most likely are performing hands-on patient care and you need fine motor skills in order to work with the population that you do. So let's say for some reason you all of a sudden develop arthritis and you lose the ability to do fine acute motor movements and be able to perform pediatric swallowing, whatever the case may be, whatever your specialization is. Well, if you specify all of that in the contract, you would be able to submit a claim for disability insurance and replace your income. The opposite of true own occupation is any occupation, meaning if I could perform any job, such as working in a retail store or at a restaurant or a grocery store, I would not be considered disabled in the insurance company's eyes because I'm able to work any job, not necessarily my specific true own occupation as an SLP. So again, that goes back to looking at the fine print of your contract and knowing what it says your specific daily job duties are. And you want to make sure that it is specific to the work that you are doing so that if something happens to you, you can submit a claim. The second important part of a disability insurance contract is the elimination period, which is the period of time that elapses between the onset of your disability and when your benefits will commence. So this can range from 30 days out to 720 days or two years. If you think about it from a cost perspective, the longer the elimination period, the less expensive the policy will be. Similarly to the elimination period, there's something called a benefit period. And the benefit period is how long you'll be paid. That can range anywhere from two years out to retirement, age 65, age 67. If you have a true own occupation definition of occupation in your disability insurance contract, and you're not able to perform that specific duty, maybe you have permanent arthritis 
or you have nerve damage in your wrist because of an incident where you slipped and fell and you can't perform that hands-on patient care or the fine motor skills as an SLP, well, if you have a successful claim, you'll earn an income for as long as your benefit period is. And that doesn't mean you can't work another occupation. Again, depending on the fine print, you might be able to work in the back office of a clinic or you might become a professor to help other aspiring SLPs become SLPs as they earn their Cs. So maybe you go be a professor. And the fourth most important part of a disability insurance policy is the amount you'll be paid, which is sometimes referred to as the indemnity amount. And that's important too, because maybe you do have some group disability insurance and you want to add a secondary policy, sometimes referred to as supplementary disability insurance policy. So maybe you specify that you want to replace an additional 20% of your income on top of whatever your group policy is. I think a few other things that are important to note about disability insurance is you want to read the fine print and make sure that you have a policy that has non-cancelable and guaranteed renewable provisions in it. Both of those basically mean that the insurer will not raise premiums as long as you pay them and the insurance company cannot cancel or change the terms of your policy as long as you pay the premium. Another important one is something called partial disability claim. So you might endure something that causes you to reduce your workload from 40 hours a week to 25 hours a week. Maybe you just can only go to the clinic three days a week instead of five. What partial disability coverage will allow you to do is to submit a claim and receive income for the difference in the amount that you're no longer able to work. So in that example, you're usually working 40 hours. You can only now work 25 hours. You'll get paid for that difference of 15 hours if you have a successful disability claim. And if you endure something, again, that is specific to your occupation that you can no longer do, well, then you'll submit that claim. I think another important thing to consider is with disability insurance, you can submit a claim for mental and nervous disorders. So if you are diagnosed with depression, anxiety, ADHD, or some other type of debilitating condition, if it's in the contract, you can submit a claim for one of those events. There's all types of reasons why people need to be out of work or are going to take an extended leave from work. I think now is a good time to talk about the difference between short-term and long-term disability insurance. We often get asked a lot about short-term disability insurance. And short-term disability insurance will cover usually a period of time up to 90 days, sometimes 180 days. And we believe that most people should have an emergency fund or some other type of savings account that they can access money that will help get them through a 90-day period without working or a 180-day period without working. Why long-term disability insurance is so important is you're protecting yourself against a financial catastrophe. And if you can't work for years or decades even, well, then you need something like long-term disability insurance, which will, again, replace your income if you're not able to work. If you are a private practitioner that has a brick and mortar location, it's important that you know of a, an additional type of disability insurance policy called business overhead expense coverage. So you can think about this type of coverage as long-term disability insurance for your business. So if you, as the business owner, became disabled and you have a business overhead expense policy in place, your business will receive a benefit just like you would if you filed a successful individual disability claim. So this money can be used to pay for rent, utilities, anything within the office space. It will also 
cover the cost of hiring or placement for you. So if you're a sole practitioner and you have a brick and mortar and you are responsible for 100% of caseload and seeing the client base, well, you can submit this claim and then you'll start receiving money where you can hire someone to temporarily replace you if you're not able to work. A second policy that I'll mention under being a private practice owner, if you have a co-owner or several co-owners that run the clinic, you should know of something called disability buyout insurance, which fund your buy-sell agreement if you or your partners become disabled. What this will do is it provide liquidity for you to buy out your partner if the partner is the one that becomes disabled and can no longer work. Vice versa, if you become disabled, your partner would be able to buy you out of the business and it just helps make things easier. And what's really important about buy-sell agreements is a lot of business owners have them in place, but if they're not properly or adequately funded, they essentially are just a piece of paper that have instructions. So it's important to know that you have the funding to carry out the terms of the buy-sell agreement. One last topic that I will mention regarding the specifics of long-term disability insurance, these individual policies that we've been talking about. Oftentimes, people want to know what the cost is for obtaining disability insurance. And I usually give a range that it's anywhere from 2 to 4% of the income that you're trying to protect. For example, remember the recent graduate at the beginning of the podcast I was talking about who makes $60,000 for her first year as a CFY? Well, again, she wants to protect $3.4 million of potential earnings, $60,000 a year with 4% annual increases in salary over a 30-year working career. So to protect $3.4 million of income, it would cost, in using that 2 to 4% range, anywhere from $100 to $200 a month to protect about $5,000 a month of income, again, based on her $60,000 a year salary. There's a range because the price can change depending on some of those variables that I mentioned, such as the elimination period, the benefit period, the amount of disability income that you want, the indemnity amount, the definition of occupation. Remember, true own occupation versus any occupation. So there's a lot of variables that go into determining the price of a policy. So if you purchase an individual disability insurance policy with a true own occupation definition, it's going to be more expensive than a group policy or an association policy. And so it's worth weighing the cost of having the more expensive policy that has more favorable terms, like a narrower definition of occupation, like true own occupation, maybe a larger benefit, maybe longer benefit payouts compared to a policy that is less expensive that, again, might have a more general definition of occupation, a shorter benefit period, or even a lower indemnity amount. So as I begin to wrap up this episode, a question that I think is really important for you to think about is, what if your last paycheck was your last paycheck? What if this was the case and you were 40 years old with a family, children to support, mortgages to pay, other bills to pay? What would you do to continue making those payments and paying your bills, right? We talked about draining your savings accounts and your retirement accounts in order to make do, but what if it's an extended disability and you're out of work for years and maybe you are healthy, but you're not able to perform the work as an SLP? So there's so many things to consider. This is much more complicated, I would say. There's a lot of nuance. It's not as simple as applying for certain things like term life insurance, where it's pretty black or white if you're able to collect the death benefit 
or file a successful claim for life insurance. But disability insurance, as we've talked about, there's a lot of different nuances to the definition of your occupation in the contract to know what terms and conditions. Again, is it guaranteed renewable and non-cancelable by the insurance company? So there's a lot of things to consider. If this is something that you've thought about, or maybe you haven't even considered it, and this is your first time hearing about this topic, if you'd like to learn more, or if you do need help reviewing your current coverage, head on over to utterlyfinancial.com and schedule your free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on our team. Regardless of any type of insurance, there are numerous threats that can occur to any one of us throughout our lives, and we can't necessarily eliminate those threats from happening to us, but what we can control is the ability to eliminate the consequences. We don't know when bad things will happen to us, but long-term disability insurance is the way to protect your income in the event that you are unable to perform your work as an SLP. So on that note, I want to thank you for tuning in today and indulging this conversation, which is, again, something that I think is not spoken about enough, but is a critical component of any plan. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of SLP Money. You've been listening to SLP Money, hosted by Craig Goldslager. Want even more ideas on how to make smart financial decisions? Head on over to the Learning Center at utterlyfinancial.com, where you'll find more information for SLPs and private practice owners. While there, you can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with Craig. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which will help more people discover SLP money. Thanks so much for listening. Materials discussed is for general and informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investing advice. While the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individuals' situations may vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual and professional advice. Craig Goldslager is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 2 South Biscayne Boulevard, Suite 1740, Miami, Florida, 33131, 305-371-6333. Securities, products, and financial services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Utterly Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Craig Goldsteiger does not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to speech-language pathologists and private practice professionals. California Insurance License 0K78754-2020-10665. Expiration 08-2022.